welcome to the Positively You podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Larson, and I'm passionate about helping you shift the way you think so you can create a life you're absolutely obsessed with. Each week, I'll be bringing you a guest or a thought that's going to help you feel more optimistic and equipped to take real action. Get ready to push past limiting beliefs, ditch that negativity, and start showing up as the best and most positive version of you. Girl, let's do this. Welcome back to the Positively You podcast. Today, I'm super excited to have one of my podcasting friends on. We met, I don't even know, like a long time ago, we find it kind of like paralleled each other's podcasting journeys. And it's been really fun to see her show grow and her story and all of the goodness and the impact that she's making in the world. So I have Emily Lewis on. She's the host of the Abundant Grace podcast. And welcome. Thanks, Jesse. I'm so glad to be here. I love the Positively You podcast and message. So I want to know a little bit about what the Abundant Grace podcast is and what your kind of core messages that you want to share with your listeners and the people that you're reaching out to. Yeah. So what I do on Abundant Grace really was born from my own journey, my own story of growing up in a religious environment that felt like all of the right things to do and the right way to do it and the right things to believe were like handed to me. And this was how I should like go about doing life. And I wanted to fit in. I was so desperate to belong and any ounce of like value that I had of myself, like self-worth, I found in my ability to measure up my ability to check the boxes and perform and like fit in because we're wired for belonging. Right. And the way that I felt secure was by following all the rules. And when I actually experienced the pain and trauma of being rejected by the faith community that I had been trying so hard to fit in with my entire life, like I found people that actually loved me for me. And I found out that God likes me, not just like <laughs> loves me because like he has to, because the Bible says so, but he like likes me as a human being, like the way that I am. And that was so transformative to have God and other people believe in my worth and my value and what I could bring to the world that was outside of the box that I felt like I was supposed to be in. So that was so freeing. And it brought me into a place where I could be confidently myself. Like I didn't have to check the boxes. I didn't have to try to fit in. I didn't have to look to other people for approval to find like shreds of self-worth. And I have the privilege now of through podcasts and coaching, encouraging other people to just rest in who God already says they are, who they already are and who they like are as a person, like not what we feel like we have to be or should be. Mm, Emily, I love your story so much. And like, I just want to be like, can you have a moment of silence for all those of us who feel like we've done the check the box thing? We've done the like, I just desperately want to fit in like just moment of silence for all of us. Right. (laughs) 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 Because it is, especially when like, I know you grew up in a very like 
like check the box religious kind of upbringing where it was kind of like, you do this, you do this, you do this. There's a prescription for happiness and here's your Mm -hmm. perfectly packaged like little life for you. Right. And then you kind of like stop, not stop having boxes to check, but almost like, okay, I did all the things and like, now what? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I heard a really good quote. Um, she's going to be on my podcast soon by Ketia Gustav. And she said, if you have it all and you still feel like dissatisfied with your life, you're probably living somebody else's visions. And it was just so powerful. Like we're living what somebody else thinks our life should look like or what we adopted for like what our life is supposed to look like. But we're living out of alignment with what we actually want and who we actually are. Mm, that's a really powerful quote and a really powerful thought to like be able to step back a little bit and be like, okay, if I'm not happy with all of this or if I'm not filled or if I feel like like something's missing, that's a really like intense kind of realization to have a little bit, <laughs> I would imagine, right? Like, yeah, oh, yeah. Is this is this not all the things that I want? And I know for me it's been it's been a really interesting and beautiful journey to figure out who I am and what I do want, what I do like. I'm an Enneagram nine. So like I'm a people pleaser, go with the flow, like no conflict kind of person. And my thirties has been a really fun journey to be like, what do I like? And what do I want to do? And what do I want to fill it with? And it's been a lot of like, yeah, that doesn't fit. And I don't want to do that anymore. And then a lot of like, I'm so glad I stepped into this and I pushed other people's perceptions away or judgments and just did me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? It feels like it almost feels like a teenage like rebellion like, in yeah. my late 20s. Like, wait a second. I should have done this all when I was like in high school, but I was too busy being like super mature and following the rules. Oh, that's <laughs> like, so now funny. I get to try things. So I want to hear because you're kind of as you're introducing yourself and everything, you're like not on the other side, but yeah, you're kind of on the other side. And so how did you get there? Like what, I don't want to say like, what steps did you take? Cause that's exactly what we don't want to do is like the prescribed <laughs> steps, right? but like, what were some key things that you felt like you did in order to have that realization of like, God likes me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had, I was gifted a faith crisis, right? Before we left the um, church that I grew up in, like I was, the leader that I grew up under, like he was exposed for moral failures. And it really let me start asking questions, questions that I'd buried questions that like, I didn't really even let myself entertain. So it started with asking like, okay, if he's not living the way that he says we're supposed to live, like what else isn't true and letting go of some of like the surface convictions that I had that were just things that I was supposed to believe. And then God brought me to resources that really helped me understand that his grace wasn't something that I had to earn. Like it wasn't something that I had to measure up to or prove that I was like good enough to receive it. So like that was the first piece was healing my perception of who God was. He wasn't judgy. He wasn't standing over me, like waiting for me to mess up or threatening to leave. Like you said, like we tried so hard to fit in and belong. And that was the same way I approached my relationship with God. I just was so afraid that he was going to like walk away someday and never speak to me again. The, The inner dialogue I had was so critical and I thought it was God. 
I thought God was the one being like, you better do this or else. Because that's the way like the, the pastor was and the way that I had developed my own internal like um, conversations were very yeah. harsh, but I attributed them to God. So being able to be like, wait a second, God's not like mad at me. He's not like threatening to leave was that first piece. And then um, healing my relationship with myself being able to own who I am and own my worth to where it's not something that I'm trying to gain. I'm not trying to um, get someone else to weigh in on whether or not I've done enough today. And really, like you you mentioned the, the checklist again, ditching that checklist is hard because that yeah. checklist is so, it's like, it's predictable in a way, even though we know there are days where we like miss the mark and we feel like horrible about it. It's those, even those ups and downs are like way predictable. And it's so much easier than being outside of the box. Cause then you have to figure it all out for yourself. Like, what do yeah. I actually like? What do I believe? Um, what, you know, what do I keep and what do I toss when the, the check boxes were so much more predictable, but I had to actually let go of so many of those things in order to figure out what I liked or what I needed. And that is so scary to be like, I have to stop going to church. Like I have to stop in order to like figure out who I am. I have to like stop reading my Bible and prayer can't look the same way that it's looked because it's like that, even that practice is not life-giving anymore and letting go of those allows us to actually start them back up later with a, with fresh eyes and a way that we want to, um, like that feels aligned with what our mission and what, um, our connection with God is supposed to look like and our connection to ourselves. Yeah. I think, you know, when you say it's scary to like, let all those things go, I have like a visual of like either climbing a ladder or like the monkey bars, right? Like, and in order to progress on those, either Mm. like going up or going across, like you have to let go. And like the first couple of times you do, like, you just want to like cling on because you're like, I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall. But in order to move, you have to let go Mm. and you have to be willing to like let go and to grab onto something new. And, you know, hindsight is 2020 because you said that you were gifted with a faith crisis, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing you didn't feel like it was a gift when you first received it. (laughs) Right. No, I don't think I did. It was very uh, disorienting. Yeah. Yeah. And that. so did you, did you come to the conclusion that it was a gift after or sometime during the the crisis? Mm. I quote, air quotes. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, Probably, probably a little bit of both. Yeah. Like. Um, because it was so, so freeing and being able to tell other people like, Hey, it's like, it's this way it's we're accepted. It's grace. And the way that it was hard was being, um, told that I was wrong. Like, yeah, I thought everybody else would be really excited. I don't like, I don't know why I grew up in this church. I grew up in this culture. I should have known that other people wouldn't be so excited, but it was so amazing to me that I thought other people would want it. And they did. And that was the, that was where it like started to become like another crisis of, oh crap, we have to leave. 
Like we yeah. can't stay here. We can't, we can't turn this ship at all. Um, so that's why I say it was, it, I knew it was a gift partly, but then it was um, the awareness of the cost. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, and I think that layers in another layer to it with the acceptance because we're trying to fit in. And and so it's like the acceptance you want from, you know, God, but then it's also the acceptance that you want from the people that are around you and from your community and from friends. Like you think we all want to feel approved and accepted on that level too. And so I think that that just adds a whole other layer to it that you're just like completely like tearing literally everything down, like this relationship, this relationship, this relationship, and just completely, completely bare. But in that is such a gift. Like I've said that before too. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to wish these kind of crises or these kind of like dark nights of the soul or whatever onto people. But I also kind of do because you find out so much about yourself and it creates a love for yourself that I don't know that you could arrive at without tearing everything else down. Mm. Yeah. You know? Yes. We have to get to a place where we are okay with accepting ourselves. And that can feel so counterintuitive when you've been taught to like be critical of yourself or you're, you're just a you know, you're just a terrible sinner or, um, it's just almost like painted as miraculous that God would even look at you and save you. And so we, we look at ourselves with so, so much like disdain and shame and accepting ourselves for right where we're at, or maybe you don't have that religious story. Somebody listening is like, I don't, I don't really relate to that, but you re- you relate to like the self-development side of things where we're like always trying to improve when we're doing all these things. Where self-acceptance says, hey, even if I don't change, I'm okay with me. And that is like, that's a, that's such a win, but it takes a lot of work to get to that place where we're okay with ourselves and I'm okay with not workshopping myself anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think in any aspect of our life, right? Whether it's religious upbringing or whether it's just like always having a goal, which that's how our society is set up, right? Like we're, we're put in school when we're five, we're always progressing. We're always like taking tests and proving things and making goals and going on teams and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So there's always these check marks. And I think sometimes, you know, we get out of like the, the natural uh, environment that we're in where there is that. And so then as like mothers, we create our own checklists, right? Like you've heard of mm-hmm. people who were like writing extra things down just so they can check it off to feel yes, accomplished. That's my personality. <laughs> right. And like I like walked up the stairs to like, you know, you add things to your checklist just so you can check more things off because suddenly that makes you better or worth more. And I love the idea of completely like tearing that away and being like, no, you could have literally nothing on that list and your worth and your importance doesn't change at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We think that peace and rest will come when our checklist is done, but what we don't realize is we're actually agreeing with the system. (laughs) When we say that we think if we just strive a little bit longer, if I just knock out a few more tasks, then I can rest. Like when that actually doesn't produce peace. Striving doesn't produce rest. It's when we say, wait, I am invited to rest and I'm invited to be 
like okay with who I am before I accomplish all of these things. Like I'm allowed to celebrate me and that celebration thing still pushes on my worth. Like, am I really allowed to celebrate just me without accomplishing? Like you mentioned, you're the, you're an Enneagram nine. I'm an Enneagram three, like achiever (laughs) wanting to like measure up. So like, not only was the culture very much like this, but like, it's my personality to want to go and do. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm somebody then who's like, okay, I would love to ditch the list. I would love to feel good with myself, but that seems like I might be an Enneagram three. That seems near impossible. When you're coaching women or having these discussions, where is a good like starting place? Mm. Yeah. I think the starting place is to be doing what you're doing right now and not what you think you should be doing tomorrow or next that what I should be doing next or what feels so overwhelming in our lives when we're busy moms and busy business owners and all of the hats that we wear. If instead we can pause and just be in the moment that we're in, we can start to enjoy what's in front of us and let let yourself pick up that list tomorrow or in an hour or whenever. But Give yourself a break and some space to just be right now. And maybe that's maybe that's doing the dishes while you're doing the dishes. Maybe that's five minutes of just sitting still. Maybe that's one minute yeah. of sitting still. Um, yeah, be, just be. Practice being. Just being. And in that pause, I know that that can be so hard. So I love that you said, like, have it be a minute. Because so many times, right, you're like, all right, you need to have like this ritual or this practice where you give yourself all this time and this space. And if Uh you're somebody who's not used to that and you're used to the go, 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 like your mind is going to go freaking crazy (laughs) trying to just be. And so it is like just giving yourself that minute. And I think asking yourself, too, if you can't take that time to pause and to just be to not like layer that with shame at all, but to be like, oh, wow, that's really interesting that I can't even sit for like four minutes by myself. And to kind Mm -hmm. of like, I don't know, do you, do you do like a journaling practice or anything? Or do you recommend that? Or what's another Mm -hmm. like way that you're walking women through this? Yeah. I love journaling. Another way that um, is really helpful is to just recap your day, maybe as you're falling asleep, maybe as you're brushing your teeth or whatever, um, just to recap your day. And you can make this a spiritual practice if you want to, like noticing where you were aware of God's presence with you. Or if you're like trying to get back into prayer, but you're not sure how to like navigate that and you're trying to do a completely new practice, that can even, you can make that a prayer just bringing your awareness to like the different events that happened throughout the day and just reflecting on that, that pause, it gives our brain something to do, right? Where we're like cataloging Mm -hmm. what we've been through throughout the day while we're also like pausing without being productive, without seeing like, we're not critically analyzing like, what could I have done better today? But we're just observing and practicing observation with a short little reflection at the end of the day for just a minute or a couple of minutes has been really powerful to watch how that stillness can impact the rest of your life. Even if it's something silly and small like that. 
Yeah. I really like that. I like what you said about observing because again, I think if you're someone who's used to the checklist that going over your day, it's going to be a real tricky like transition to not be like, okay, check, check, check the things I did versus like, how did I feel? And like, how did this go today? And what was like the over like arching theme or like making it less about like the accomplishments and like the, the checklist that that you did throughout the day and more about like just the day as a whole Mm -hmm. and like how you showed up there and like, not, I don't know. I think that like that transition will happen slowly and it has to be intentional, but I love the word observe that you, you said, um, I was talking to a group earlier this week and I was kind of saying the same thing about observing your thoughts and, and recognizing, you know, whether they're like really tearing yourself down or if they're building you up and that if, if you do have a lot of ones where you're being really self-critical, like you were, instead of being like, oh, see, you're really self-critical. Yes. And then like, <laughs> then you're being self-critical of being self-critical. And it's yep. just like this nasty cycle. But I was like, you really have to step out and be like, I'm just collecting data. Like I'm just mm. observing. There's like no emotion attached to this, which easier said than done. But it really is like, there has to be some level of like detachment almost from the emotion and just like, strictly observing like the data. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like that. Right? Yeah. It's not what happens to us or what we do that throws us off. It's the story we make up about it. Like you mm-hmm. mentioned feelings. It's like, it's the, what we attach to it. Like I yelled at my kids today. Oh man. I yelled at my kids today. We can take that as data and be like, okay, what was going on in my day? What did I overextend myself? Did I forget to eat breakfast? Did I, you know, whatever, like you can take it as data or was I just like acting out of crankiness and snapped at my family? Like we can take it as data or we can be like, wow, I am such a horrible mom. I cannot believe I'm just like, I don't even deserve to like do this next thing that I was planning to do that was fun with them because I'm just so mean or like we can make this story out of our actions Um, or we can just observe. I love that because we can write the story every single day in a different way that we want to. Mm -hmm. And I do think that a lot of us are programmed to write that like critical one, like, especially like the yelling at the kids, like hi, we can all relate. And it's so easy to jump to that. Like you, they, you know, you yell at the kids in the car and then they head inside and then you sit there with your hands in your head being like, Oh, I'm the worst mom ever. Why did I do that? Why did I lose my temper? Versus like what you said, like looking around and being like, oh my gosh, that's not like me. Why did I yell at them like that? And then I can be like, I mean, true story. I can be like, okay, well, I had this and this and this. I felt behind from day one. I skipped lunch. Like you said, all of these things where it's like, okay, it's not because I'm a terrible person, Mm -hmm. but like there's all of these outside things or even like things I did put on myself. But yeah, like telling a different story. And then I can make different choices moving forward, but Mm -hmm. none of it has to do with like who I am inside as a person. Like it's such a freeing place to get to when those actions don't define you. Mm. Yeah. So good. Cause when we're looking to any of our tasks or accomplishments to define us, the opposite is also true. And we let we let our failures define us if we're going to let our successes define us too. 
Oh, 100%. I'll share an example of my successes defining me too. So we, you know, it's the same way like, oh, I got dinner on the table tonight. My house is spotless. Everyone's homework was done. We all took showers. Like I'm a good mom. It's like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, you did a great job today, but like <laughs> you didn't like level up your like worth as a mom. Right. Right. And I even we had dentist appointments earlier this week with my kids and like bless the like teeth gods or whatever. Like they gave my children the best teeth and they don't get cavities. And I would love to be like, I know it's because I am such a good mom. Like my kids don't have cavities <laughs> and I'm like, it's not, it has nothing to do with me, but it's right. so funny. Like we do, we like, we like bring on the things that we did really well and we make that mean something, but then we do the opposite with the failures and make it mean something. And so it's like, no, I'm a great mom and a good person, like just by myself. It doesn't matter how good I did on the one day. It doesn't matter how bad I did on the other day. Those like, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. You know, you asked, like, how do you get to the place where you're confident? Like, how do you get from like trying to fit into just being yourself? And it is that it's that owning your worth piece. It's like, this doesn't say anything about me. So therefore I still show up confident. This doesn't mm-hmm. get to define me. So therefore I still show up as me because I'm not ashamed of who me is anymore. Yeah. Cause it's yeah. not defined yeah. by highs and lows. And I think that's such a story that you have to just, it's going to be like the consistency in, in leaning into that and deprogramming yourself from the outside things, meaning something. And it's not an overnight switch. Like, sorry, spoiler alert to everyone listening. (laughs) You're not going to flip. You're not going to turn off this episode and be like, I'm fixed. Yay. Yeah. I'm done. One of the things that as we talk about like radical self-acceptance that's super powerful and important is to have other people in your life that accept you for you. That was a huge piece of my story is is finding people that were willing to meet me where I was and see the value that I didn't see in myself because that planted seeds, right, of me being able to believe that there was potential, that there were other things that I was capable of outside of the box. I even had my therapist looked at me one day and he, um, cause I was like, we were talking about worth and love. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Am I worthy of love? Like was the conversation. And he looked at me and said, you're full of crap. And I was like, Whoa, um, thank you for calling that out. That felt like really extreme, but it got my attention. (laughs) Like, wait a second, you see worth in me where I'm like shaky on it. Mm -hmm. So whether you hire a coach or a therapist, or you be your real self and let other people in, there's so much beauty and power in letting other people love us and accept us right where we're at too. Ooh, I love that. I'm thinking of an example, you know, of like a spouse, even like saying like, I love you or you're beautiful. Or I think that happens all the time, right? Where we're like, shut up. Like, don't say that. I'm not You're like supposed to say that or something. Yeah. You're just saying that because you love me or whatever. And in, in what you're saying, like allowing those people to that, that might be a hard step to just like immediately believe them or immediately like view yourself in that same way. And I remember something for me, when I was working like through like body image stuff and like my husband would tell me, I mean, like you're beautiful. And I would say, I believe you believe, like, I believe you. 
I believe what you're saying. I believe it's sincere. Like I'm not there yet, but Mm -hmm. I believe you. Like I believe you're not lying to me. And I think that that's a huge thing with like other people being like, I love you and you are worthy and this. And it's like, you know, with your therapist saying that, it's almost like, okay, I don't believe that, but I, I do believe you. Mm-hmm. you know and and right. so it's like it's like baby steps getting there like you said mm-hmm. from going from like criticizing yourself to celebrating yourself that's not also not going to be an overnight thing but you can go from criticizing to like just accepting yourself and being like okay great and then moving towards like celebrating yourself because mm-hmm. otherwise that's a big big leap and so hi everyone listening knows i'm a proponent of starting small and baby steps so this shouldn't be like a shocking revelation here but taking those baby steps towards your self-acceptance, it's not going to be just this light switch overnight fix. Mm-mm, no. It was a year ago that the business coach that I have right now, it was just a little over a year ago. She saw so much vision in me. And that's when I felt like, oh, wow, somebody values what I do more than I do, which is in, it was, was just crazy. And a year later, now I completely believe her. But it took me Mm. over a year to get to this place where I'm like, yes, I can impact millions of women where before I was like, yeah, I can kind of think I can, but there's like this imposter that's like so loud in my brain saying, are you really sure? Right. And I love, I love that idea of bringing other people in because this um, this practice and this process of like learning to love yourself and self-acceptance, it feels very, very much like an individual journey, right? Where I'm deep in my own thoughts and deep in my own observation. I'm journaling, I'm doing like prayer, whatever like your practices are that you're getting to. And I don't know that I've heard that very often where it's bringing in that piece of other people because you think like, no, I'm trying to like get rid of the outside influence, But how beautiful that is to be like, no, it's the influences that I need, the ones that build me up, the ones that bring me, because it is like to have someone believe in you and to see vision in you is a really vulnerable to like go there, but such a cool thing. And then to have those kind of people around you, it really does like it helps build you up. And I think that that's a a missing piece that a lot of us have is not going to outside sources for validation, but just making sure you have people around you who see you and build you up. Mm, yeah. Cause it can be so easy. <clears throat> even when we're trying to please other people or even when um, we're trying to recover from that to go insular, to be like, I'm so ashamed of my feelings. I'm so ashamed of where I'm at and we feel alone. And this is why I've shifted a lot of what I do, Jesse, to group programs mm. because it's so powerful for somebody else to be like, oh yeah, me too. Where I thought people wanted to process this alone because there is a lot of shame wrapped up in um, who you are and your worth and your relationship with God and yourself that I thought they wanted to do it alone. But having someone else around the table going, oh yeah, I'm not alone or wow, I felt that way. I can't believe she just verbalized that. Um, Because I think our tendency is to hide. Our tendency is to hide the parts of ourselves that we're ashamed of. And if we want to radically accept ourselves, we have to bring things to the light. Like Brene Brown talks about shame and how vulnerability fixes shame. And like even taking that a step further, the reason vulnerability helps us overcome shame and 
which shame just points to where we feel less than, right? Mm -hmm. Um, When we say those out loud and we are validated and accepted, that is so healing and so powerful. And then we don't have to think, well, so-and-so would probably handle this better. I can't believe that I'm letting this be so hard when maybe it is hard and you just need a friend or a mentor or somebody to say that out loud to, and they go, you're not crazy. You're not crazy for that being triggering, or you're not crazy for this being hard. And we can learn self-compassion from others. Because if you think about it, you are never critical as critical to your friends as you are to yourself. Never. No. No. So if you can get somebody else who maybe feels the same way to be like, Jesse, that's crazy. I can't believe you felt like that was, um, like that made you less than you. You're still an amazing mom. And like all of these things that they could encourage you with, like you are so brave and you don't have to get this right all of the time. They can say that to you. And then you learn to say it to yourself too. So there's so many beautiful pieces, um, to learning to love ourselves. Well, and I think in a, in a group setting like that too, it gives you the opportunity, like you're receiving that love from other people, but you're also giving that out, which can make it easier to then give it back to yourself. Cause you're like, oh, I'm saying all these good words and this validation and, and, you know, relating to another person. And then you're like, oh, I can, I can give that back to myself as well. So I think that that is a beautiful realization that sometimes we do need to do the work with a group and we might not notice or realize that that's also a missing piece. So you've mm-hmm. said that you've transitioned more to groups. Um, yeah. Where can, if someone's like, uh, hi, yes, I need a group. Help me, please. Like, where can we go to like find you in your groups and, and heal? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go to emilyklewis.com forward slash positively you. And I'll have all of the links there. I have, I'll have, um, links to coaching if you want, or if you just want to get to know me, I'll link everything on that one page and come follow me on Instagram, emily.abundantgrace, sharing lots of content around confidence and grace and just being yourself. Yes. If you, you've heard me talk before about curating a positive, uplifting Instagram feed and Emily is definitely someone who fits that criteria. So go follow her over there, her podcast. What days does your podcast air? Wednesdays and Fridays, Wednesdays and Fridays, the abundant grace podcast, and I'll make it super easy for everybody. And there's links right below the episode. So you don't even have to click out of what you're listening to. It's all right there. Um, but I just want to say thank you for this conversation. This was so life giving for me. And there was like a lot of like light bulb moments and little gems that Mm. you dropped that I'm just so grateful for. Thank you so much, Jesse. I really appreciate it. So glad to know you. Oh, I know. I love the podcasting world and the internet world that brings people from all over together. It's awesome. Love it. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. Bye.